What is the Healthcare Performance Management Institute? How are they helping advisors find the right technology to use with their clients? And what are the key things to look for when matching technology with client needs? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're talking with Keith Lemmer. Keith is the CEO of WellNet Healthcare Plan. And he's also the founding member of something that we wanted to discuss in a little more detail today, which is the Healthcare Performance Management Institute. With that, good morning, Keith. Good morning, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's our pleasure. Thanks for sharing your expertise with our audience. So let's start at ground level. Let's level set. What is the Healthcare Performance Management Institute and why was it necessary? Why did you guys build it? So what the Healthcare Performance Management Institute is, it's a research and think tank that publishes, whether it's monthly or quarterly, white papers and case studies about the use of technology in healthcare, and be it for employees or employers or health systems, how they use technology to drive down the cost of care. And we started the Healthcare Performance Management Institute about five years ago, myself and my partner, Henry Cha, who's the CEO of Healthcare Interactive, along with several other members of the business community around the nation. So when we talk about using technology, and it's something obviously that we talk about a lot on the podcast, why is it so key that advisors latch on to really good technology to give them information that they need? What's the impetus there? The reason technology is so important in healthcare is that there's so much data, there's so much information that once and if it becomes available, you can actually really mine all that information to make more informed decisions. But if you don't have that information, it's very challenging to kind of see what's going on inside a healthcare plan, where the opportunities reside, where the issues lie. And having claim data, no matter who has it or where it resides, allows you to make more informed professional decisions to reduce healthcare costs, to increase compliance, and overall to control the overall healthcare dollar spent. To go back and dig in a little bit, What are the top two or three issues that you see and what are the opportunities that come about once you realize by looking at the data that these issues exist? The top two or three opportunities, I'd kind of wrap that question all together with this response, which is, you know, when you have information that tells you where the costs reside, and it's not the entire population, it's typically 20, 22, 23% of the population, those that are at high and moderate risk, in essence, those that are seeing multiple physicians taking multiple medications, those members traditionally are not being coached with 
a resource that's helping to guide and advise them. And if we can actually have the ability by taking or crunching all of that information and connecting the health coach, the registered nurse, the physician or physicians, we can actually have the ability to work on whether it's stress management programs, cardiovascular, diabetes, or a host of other issues where we see some complexity that ultimately, if that complexity continues to exist, costs continue to rise. So you're not just looking out the rearview mirror within today's data world. You're also able to look out the windshield to use the old car analogy? Absolutely. I mean, the, the challenge is the rearview mirror. Once that's happened, you can't look back. Having the ability to predict out where the opportunities to reduce cost, increase compliance, and engage a member or a specific membership group of the population allow you to better manage an overall healthcare plan. And David, it doesn't really matter whether you're 50 employees, 500, or 5,000. If you don't have that data available, actionable, and measurable, it's very very challenging to really improve change and improve processes. So if I'm a benefit advisor and I say, okay, cool, I understand what Keith is saying and I need to get my hands around some data. The first problem is how do you get data from the carriers? Is that still as big a hassle as it's been traditionally? And if it is, why do you think that still is? Absolutely. So, so think about this, Ready? A, a recent Deloitte survey back in January of 2016 said that healthcare costs have become the number one obstacle for businesses, whether it's small, medium, or large, in terms of their growth. And that's a problem. And if you think about where that problem really resides, if you look at the carriers around the nation, public, private, nonprofit, however you want to categorize them, their goal is to hold on to that information of the healthcare plan. Because if you provide information to that employer group or that plan sponsor, the more information you give, the more questions are asked. But if you give as little information as possible, people don't question you. There are no uh, difficulties. And ultimately, what does that do? That allows you to increase or improve your profit margins. So the carriers have become, in essence, barriers to providing data that allows any type of plan sponsor to really make an informed decision. You know, they do, and when I say they, the carriers, they do a terrific job in paying claims and providing access, moving the levers for plan design. But when it comes to engagement and population health management, it's suspect. If you think about hiring standalone wellness or disease management companies, they do a very good job and certainly improve from the carriers. But their difficulty, David, is getting a hold of the data. So what's needed is the ability to not only have the data for your plan, but to be able to act on it with no latency, with no delay. Okay, so let's take the next step. I'm an advisor. I've succeeded in getting the data that I need. What are the key metrics that I need to look at? I'm not a big data guy. I'm just learning. What are the things that I ought to look for that should shoot red flags up in the air? As an advisor, what I'd want to guide my clients on is where are the risks? What are the problems? What segment of the population is actually driving the cost? What are those actual costs? And what programs can be put in place to actually reduce those costs? As an example, if you're looking at a population that has a segment of high cardiovascular usage, is it just cardiovascular or is it one of six disease states within cardiovascular usage? And how does that population compare? 
compare to a population of, let's say, 20 or 25 million members that you can benchmark your group against? Am I low? Am I normal? Or am I high? And if I'm high, I want to be able to actually do something about it. I need to be able to outreach and engage the member, not just with a telephone call, because most ignore, not just with a letter, but I need to be able to get to that member with the right message at the right time and also with the right incentive. And so depending on what the disease states are, again, whether it's cardiovascular, diabetes, or another, you've got to be able to have that transparent information to enable, whether it's the advisor or the advisor working with their employer group, to be able to make more informed and actionable decisions based on those specific disease states. And that's what software and combining software with healthcare allows one to do. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, Go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. So, I mean, I'm, I'm busy running my practice. Commission compression is eating my lunch. I've got to staff up because all of my clients have higher customer service expectations. Is there software today that will keep me from having to do the work of pouring over this data and that will identify those spikes and those conditions so that we can more easily have conversations with employers about it? There is software. And so I'll preface it by saying there are many solutions that are out there. Most of the solutions that our company has seen are typically siloed solutions that focus on maybe a, a particular disease state, or maybe they gather Fitbit information, or maybe they focus on biometric screenings. The ability to take data, no matter who has it, where it resides, and whether it's medical information, pharmacy information, screening, HRA, incentive, being able to crunch all that data, then and only then will you be able to make those more informed decisions. So we call that kind of software healthcare performance management software. And it's developed by another organization of which we have an affiliation with called Healthcare Interactive. And they use it to allow hospitals to sell health plans directly to the business community. And my company, WellNet, uses it to offer a level-funded health plan to the business community of, let's call it groups 10 to 400 employees. But that stuff's available to mere mortals. It's scaled down. So as you say, it, it, if you've just got smaller groups and you can get hold of the claims data, this kind of service is available? 
So it is, but one action that organizations really need to take, and they will not be able to get this because we've asked on many occasions, you know, ask your advisor to call your carrier. Can you get this detailed claim data at 50 lives, 100, 150? The only way organizations are really going to be able to gain control of this information is if they self-fund or level fund. And if you think about it historically, large companies around the nation, I'd say about 80% of them, 85% of them, over 2,000 employees are self-funded. That's norm. As you begin to dial down to the smaller employers, that number, if you're at about 100 employees or so, maybe even a little under, you're at about 15%, maybe even 13%. So self-funding is relatively new to employer groups in the under 300 market. And the reason, David, it has really come about was because of the ACA passed by the current administration Self-funding, in essence, allows you to own your plan data. It allows you to see where the challenges are. And self-funding was the only thing that was not impacted negatively by the ACA passing. So you can have all your claim data. You don't have to pay premium taxes. You can cover the benefits you want to cover. In essence, you have to have essential health care benefits. But you don't have to cover all of the items that you necessarily have to include on a traditional fully insured plan. And then you also have something called the medical loss ratio. Are you familiar with that, David, by chance? I am, and I dare say that most of our listeners are as well. If I can elaborate for just a moment on, on the medical loss ratio for a moment. Please. You have medical loss ratio, which if you, if you think about this, ready, the carriers right now, due to the ACA, there is absolutely, unequivocally, zero incentive for them to manage or reduce a client's claim cost. And the reason why is... If the carrier reduces the claims cost for their entire pool of business, this is everybody on their plan, then they'll likely have to lower the premiums the following year to stay compliant with the medical loss ratio rule. So in essence, MLR 80, 85%, they've got to spend all those dollars on claims. This means that the carriers, 15% of the premium that they're allowed to retain will represent less revenue. Think about this, less revenue and ultimately less profit which is certainly not what the carrier wants. So generally speaking, if you think about this, the insurance carrier's revenues and profits increase as the underlying cost of claims increase. So it's a nasty little game. Their interests, the carriers and the employers, they're simply not aligned. So it's just one more in a series of traditional perverse incentives in our markets. That's not anything new. Let's get back to the actual advisor using the software. One of the things that I think is key that you mentioned earlier, because even if you get the data and you can see where the spikes are and you can identify those populations or population segments that are having problems, is the inevitable question comes up and I've been there and you have too with employers as well. How does that compare to other groups my size? And you mentioned benchmarking and I'm not sure that it's something that a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Can you talk a little bit about benchmarking how the software brings that to bear and why it's so critically important? Sure. So the the software, the benchmarking tool that's been integrated into the underlying technology chassis, it's the Johns Hopkins ACG modeler. It's their predictive modeler that covers the entire Johns Hopkins population that they aggregate. And so I, as an employer, if I'm 50 employees, I'm going to want to know what those 20, 25 million members that are within that population of Johns Hopkins University 
look like in comparison to me. So I want to be able to see, as an example, how I identify with that current population. Is it age and sex adjusted? Is it risk adjusted from a perspective of my group, whether I'm in the Southeast or in the Northwest or in the West Coast? I need to get an exact comparison. So having that benchmark allows me to make not decisions based purely on a company in my industry, but all the way down to the membership population. And then and only then can you make the appropriate decisions that identify expensive health trends that are going to transpire or ones, David, that can be avoided. And those benchmarks are regionalized, which is equally important, isn't it? Absolutely. So as a plan sponsor, if I can regionalize my entire population, I've got 300 employees and segmented it into four regions around the country. I want to be able to look at a dashboard that's going to give me a snapshot of my entire workforce demographic and how I compare to each of the regions that are within that population within the Johns Hopkins database. Now, mind you, we like Johns Hopkins simply because the data is open. It's published. The ability to plug in another predictive modeler, it's absolutely there as well. By no means does it matter which modeler a company chooses to use. One of the things that you and I talked about when we chatted a little bit at the Ascend conference in Nashville, and we spoke a little bit off air yesterday, is this holy grail, which is kind of the next step in the process we're discussing, which is, okay, you've identified which populations are at risk for which conditions, you've brought in some programs. How do you get the employees to engage? That seems to be the most difficult chasm to leap. That is absolutely correct. So going back to that right message, right time, right incentive, it all depends on the company's philosophy. And what I mean by that is, are you a carrots company where you're dangling something in front of a company employee or are you a sticks in essence? Are you making them do something? So if I'm an employee and I am making $25,000 on an annual basis and I have the opportunity to participate to improve my wellness, where let's say I may get an additional $100 a month to participate by taking my biometric screenings filling out my HRA, talking to a nurse health coach on a once or twice a month basis, maybe looping in my wife because I've given that permission for her to help coach me along outside as well. I'm going to participate. Now, meanwhile, if I'm an employee and I'm making $150,000 or $175,000 a year and I offer you the same program for $100 to participate, the likelihood of you participating is less likely with one of our nurse health coaches. And the reason why is that for that particular segment of the population who's making more than others, they may not find it valuable. But if you say to that same employee, I'm going to take $100 from you, if you don't participate, the likelihood of them participating now has just increased fourfold. Interesting. And that that's really the key. I mean, human behavior is probably the most difficult thing in the universe to change. And it's going to be a a long process, but let's take a look at the next step. And so here's the literally and figuratively the money question. If you've got the data, you've done the research, you've determined which populations are most at risk for which conditions that are driving your claims cost, you've gotten pretty decent engagement. However, that gets defined in today's moment. What, and you run a health plan. So it's a fair question to ask you, 
what kind of deltas are you seeing in terms of being able to actually impact claims cost for all of this work that's gone into the front end? Great question. So it is all dependent based on the participation of the group. I'll start off by saying, if you have senior level CEO, CFO, HR level endorsement of the program, the engagement levels are traditionally 40 to 60, 65%. What that translates to in terms of actual dollars, and again, all groups and their claims costs are different. We've seen reduction in claims of anywhere from two to seven and sometimes as high as 11% of the total claims cost. So full measurable ROI based on who you're identifying, those that you're working with, how many are actually engaged, those that remain in the process, you can see them from beginning to end. So it's something that we at the Institute refer to as manage, measure, engage, and save. In essence, the four pillars of the Healthcare Performance Management Institute. Do you have data about what percentage of that claims reduction is being driven into pharmacy versus medical? Because you know we know pharmacy is driving more and more of the cost these days. So that information is actually ever-changing, and so we're actually working on providing a case study, and that case study should be completed, I'd say, by the end of March of this year. And David, I'd welcome the opportunity to share that with you because pharmacy costs have gotten so out of hand the past 12, 15, 18, you know, let's say even 24 months more so. So where the results previously were able to be identified, and they are, they're much more obvious today because of those high cost of claims. So if you can recognize the opportunity, especially on a a biologic as an example, the ability to maybe offer another less costly medication with simply education and incentive, the opportunity to save is that much greater. Keith, in the minute or so that we have left, we always like to ask our guests how they envision the future in their field. What do you see coming down the pike? What's the near-term, mid-term, and long-term view from in this conversation? What we really see is that a lack of transparency is a thing of the past. In essence, the employers that are providing insurance for their employees, they want data. Just like they want information to manage their entire business, they want that same information from their health insurance carriers. They're not going to take it anymore. And if that means they have to switch to another company that is providing innovative tools, innovative transparency items and technology and chassis to give them that control, they're going to do that. They're not beholden to the 800-pound gorilla carriers anymore like they once were. In addition, We see health improvement, population health management really continuing to increase significantly as we head into the balance of 2016, 2017. You know, if you think about this, ready? Healthcare costs are the one problem that's not going away. And it's a nice item to offer your employees. It's an even better item to offer for retention. But at the end of the day, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. So companies want it, but they want to be able to offer it on a reduced cost basis that has high quality. So they're going to be looking high and low. And who are they going to? They're going to their advisors, their brokers, their consultants as the experts. They're looking for innovative healthcare delivery. That's what I see. Loads of opportunity there. Absolutely. Keith Lemmer, CEO of WellNet Healthcare Plans and founding member of the Healthcare Performance Management Institute. Keith, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. We look forward to having you back. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form. 
in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.